Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Grant. Hello, music fans. Oh, I sprung that on. He thought George was going to be first. George. <laughs> Hello, music lovers. Each episode, one of the hosts or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we talk about why they love it, what they love about it, and at the end, we decide if we agree that it's flawless. We have a Facebook group. It's called Flawless Friends and Family, and we'd love for you to join. Tell us what you think about your favorite albums, your favorite episodes of Flawless. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Flawless Friends and Family, or just use the link in the show notes. It's much quicker. And we also have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month, and no matter how much you back us for, you'll get access to all our special bonus episodes. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. Bonus episodes, which we promise we'll get better at because we've been a bit slack this year. But we'll... <laughs> Blame COVID. New Year's resolution, we'll get better. Sure. We need a bit more Patreon. That's yes, what we that's need. true. True. Incentive. More motivation. Incentive. So for today's episode, we have a guest. Yes. Would, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kelly. Uh, I am an ex-Brisbaneite that now lives in Adelaide. Oh. Uh, I do fancy stuff in science communication and social media, but... Uh, I also do other things like listen to music occasionally. Nice. Awesome. That helps. And also, how do I know you? Uh, Through the power of the internet, aka Twitter. Yes, because you run the... Oh, I run a rotation creation account called We Are Brisbane. Yeah, you do. So you can check that out on Twitter. It's an awesome account that George and I have both managed for a week, a few weeks each. And Grant, you should take it over one week. Probably should. (laughs) So, Kelly, would you like to let us know what album you are nominating for this episode? So today, I'll be nominating White Pony by Deftones. So Fantastic. So, White Pony is the third studio album by American alternative metal band Deftones that was released on June 20 in 2000 through Maverick Records. That's like the most formal description that I've is ever heard. Good. That is literally the first line from the wiki entry, which is always the first line that I've got written <laughs> on my notes. That's really funny. That's so, just like the, 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 the driest I've ever heard anyone yeah. describe Deftones <laughs> You've got to build it up. You've got to build it up. Yeah, yeah. fair mm. enough. Okay, well, we'll build it from here. Kelly, how had you... How did you encounter this album? How did you first discover Deftones and or White Pony? So uh, I was born in 1990, so I would have been very young when the album came out. Mm-hmm. So it took me a little bit, a couple of years later when I discovered the album. Uh, Deftones were coming to Brisbane to play a music festival called Soundwave Festival. Um, and I basically checked them out. They were one of the top billing, amongst the top billing bands that were playing and basically fell in love from there. Nice. Cool. Easy story. Yeah. That's a good story. Jeez. So was this the first album then that you heard of theirs? Was this the one that your gateway into Deftones? No. So at the time, there was the fourth album, uh, sadly, Night Rest, I believe. Uh, that's the fifth one? The, fifth? So which year was, was it? Because Deftones, uh, Deftones oh. was, num- was number four in 2003. Um, and Saturday Night Rest was 2006. Yes. There you Cool. So if you were going to Soundwave, you probably would have been 16 rather than 13. Yes. Yeah. Like Unless George, you who me. goes to festivals. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Awesome. So you listened to the you listened to the fifth album. You loved it, and then you sort of went back and back, worked out yeah. the whole back. Yeah. I just yes. went back yeah. and discovered the rest of it because I wanted mm. to listen to more. And you loved them all. I did. Yeah. Did. There are other albums uh, around the fur. It was it's a great album. Mm-hmm. Also, there are many great. Albums. Cool. So why this one then? Um, I felt like uh, a lot of the sounds that they were, you could kind of tell that this was a new step for them that they were trying to explore with some of the sounds that they've got through this album, um, and I just basically really appreciated that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. And it's the one that they favor the most too. Tino mm-hmm. says that it's his favorite album that they've created, and you know they've done nine albums plus uh, two like extras albums uh, but like their most recent one ons came out the year of 2020 so mm. they're still going mm. yeah. and that, i don't think they have any breaks either like they've been consistently every two or three years they've been putting out 
Um, so like we've seen some some bands where they just disappear for like seven or eight years and then they'll come back. But mm-hmm. I think these guys have been together and doing stuff pretty much the whole time. Consistently in 95, mm-hmm. 97, 2000, 03, 06, 10, 12, 16, 20. Yeah. <laughs> Plus they did uh, in 2005 B-Sides and Rarities. And in 2011, they did a whole album of covers, including Drive by The Cards, which mm. is oh, bloody good. Nice. So, go. George, you've been splashing on Twitter this week that you had to make notes for one of your favourite childhood bands. <laughs> is this your one of your favourite childhood bands? Uh... Well, considering I've just written down every single album and my favourite tracks from oh. each album in a row on half an A4 page, <laughs> uh, I'd say yes, this is yeah. probably one of my favourite bands mm-hmm. of all time. Nice. And um, so, mic drop moment, I've been toying between a couple of these dip- of different Deftones albums as coming to bring to Flawless in oh. the past, and I've never settled on one, and then Kelly here comes and goes... I'm nominating White Pony. <laughs> and I was like, I'll take it. I know, there you didn't have to bribe me. I like genuinely wanted to bring this album to the podcast. There you go. Awesome. Liam. Yes. Oh, sorry. Well, Liam. <laughs> Grant. 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 We'll go with Grant. Had you heard of the Deftones? Deftones, yes. Yes. Thanks to the Matrix. Nice. Um, <laughs> and that was about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have... What I wouldn't song have... from the Matrix? I don't know, but it is good. Oh, it's good. I meant Shove to look at it. Something about Shove It. Oh, My Own Summer. Yes, that's yes. the one. Yeah, yep. My Own Summer, there we go. That's from Around the Fair. Sorry. Nice. Um, but then also, they're also on the second Matrix Matrix soundtrack as well because they basically took the same set of artists and pulled one new song from each of them as well. But I don't know what's on the second Matrix soundtrack. I mean, did you watch the second Matrix? Yeah, I actually, <laughs> watched, I actually liked it. Oh, it was good. I thought the second one, I liked it more than most people. But yes. So just um, just from the Matrix. Just Matrix. Hadn't heard so. any albums or... No, no. no not, not end to end, certainly mm-hmm. not. So white painting, yeah. I was like, yeah. Here we go. There you cool. go. Let's dance. And yeah. it, it was about the same year, anyway, as well. Mm-hmm. So not on this album, but um, yeah, my own, what's it? Shove it. Yeah, yeah, yeah my own summer. So Liam, yes. Other than the Matrix, had you heard Deftones? I I knew of them, and I knew roughly what their sound was. Like I knew they'd been around for ages, and I'd seen heard of them playing like your Soundwave Festival and your heavier sort of festivals. And I'd heard some of their stuff on the radio, but I'd never actually sat down and listened to an album all the way through. So this was the first time for that. Hmm, cool. Mm. Okay. But it's not the first time I listened to this album all the way through. No. <laughs> so you've seen them live. Uh, so in, um, important story here is uh, I was already obsessed with them because somebody played me around the fair in 99 um, and it was this hot older boy and he played it to me and I was just like hello I love both of these things <laughs> um, and um, but I made this like really uncomfortable thing like we're at this like party um, and I was like oh are you okay with the music and he was just like yeah I like the death tones um, and then I was, went frantically looking for a Deftone CD um, without realising that that's literally what was playing at the time. And I was like, oh, no, like embarrassing mm. in front of the hot older boy. Um, so I got into Deftones around the fur and then I went back and listened to Adrenaline, which is a lot heavier, their first record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took, um, I elected to take the morning off school the day white pony u.s import came in to hmv back in the uk with my friend hannah um and she and i went and uh, took my discman and we both spent half the money each on this album the moment it dropped um, and sat outside HMV with the discman with one earphone each listening to White Pony, the first release uh, before they added Mini Maggot. Mm-hmm. Um, just sat down and just listened to it all the way through without saying a word. Nice. Wow. So that was That's a cool cool. story. It was really sweet. It was like Are you a, still friends with Hannah? I am. I'm friends with her. She's back in the UK. Also, um, Handsome Boy, long gone by that point. Good question. Um, still a friend. Okay, cool. Yeah, nailed it, moved yeah. away. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that's all good. But, yes, I have seen them live um, at festivals and I've seen them at gigs. Um, and the gigs have always been big. Um, and one of the tragedies of COVID was Deftones were playing Brisbane yes. in March. <laughs> And I had it. It was I had no money at the time, but my partner and I scraped together the money for Deftones ticket, 
Um, and I was so excited because the venue was small. Death tones. What venue and, was it? Um, I think it was like Trifford or something. Any okay. any venue in Brisbane is too yeah. small right. for death tones, basically. But they were uh, they're Rivers- only coming. Riverside, yeah, they yeah, could do so, that. Yeah. But sure, um, they did. Um, they were coming over for Download Festival, and because that was cancelled, they cancelled all their dates. Right. So um, they, that was a tragedy of COVID. I missed out on the one chance to probably see them in Australia. So, oh, have you not seen them in Australia? Not in Australia, no. I've only seen them in the UK, like a lot of times, but I've not seen them in Australia. So you've always seen them in big venues then? Uh, always, yeah. Because in the UK, they're absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they charted... Um, this album charted like um, uh, where were we? oh I can't remember. In, it, so it's number in thirteen UK. in the UK charts, number two here in Australia, wow. number eight in Canada, number six in France, and number three on the US Billboard Top Two Hundred. That's wow, and it went gold in the UK, platinum in, Amer- in America. But the two singles they they charted as well. So change went to fifty three in the UK charts. Um, and went to number nine in the billboard and it, and then back to school when they released that went to 35 in the UK mm. like so they were just big mm. for that for the for their sound to chart like that in mm. mainstream mm. music like yeah really good so Kelly have you seen them live yes I have seen them live nice only in Australia yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I've seen them multiple times so the Soundwave festival I mm. think it was 2000 and Seven or eight yeah. um, that they first played the Soundway Festival here. Um, that would be my first time. And then since then, they've toured multiple times. So I've seen them as fe- at festivals, at gigs. Um, I've seen them even in my newish hometown of Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool because it was like the venue in Adelaide. It's like they've got the mosh pit floor down, but then they also have a mezzanine level, which is seated because it's actually an old school like fancy art mm-hmm. deco theater mm-hmm. oh wow i sat on these leather seats and i was just like lounging and just like my mind was just like this is amazing also because i'm very short because yeah. of the mezzanine i could see everything nice. i could see the full stage incredible oh mm. and they are one of the best alive bands i think i've ever seen cool think, wow yeah i think they, they are they... incredibly polished and amazing performers yep they yeah very good they just, yeah. so how many times is an estimate then and how long have you been in adelaide two questions I've been in Adelaide uh, just over five years. Uh-huh. Um, you speak as if you just moved there. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> five like, years is a long time. I'm, I'm, I've been back. I come back to Brisbane quite regularly. Okay. Um, but uh, gosh, I want to say six times wow, at wow. least. Nice. Um, I have traveled interstate to go see them That's previously cool. as well. So. Us. Yeah, that's big fan. So Dan did like Sydney or Melbourne for sideshows because they weren't playing Brisbane? Yes. Yeah, that's the Brisbane music experience. Wow, cool. Sweet. Excellent. Because I've probably seen them about that many times, but like, yeah, it was just at festivals and they get... Bonus trivia fact, my first ever music band t-shirt was a Deftone shirt, which I've got at Soundwave, so... Amazing! Awesome. I can kind of maybe still squeeze into it, but I still keep it because it's great. That's sweet. So, awesome. the Deftones are Chino Moreno, vocals and rhythm guitar, Stephen Carpenter on lead, Chi Cheng on bass at the time, unfortunately he's no longer with us, Frank Delgado on keyboards and turntables, and Abe Cunningham on drums. Mm-hmm. And something I found really interesting is that just before this album, Stephen, I read Stephen moved away from where they'd all been living. I think, I'm not sure where they were living, but he moved to LA. And then, um, so Chino started playing it. So this was one of the first albums where he'd actually played some guitar before he hadn't really played as much guitar. And then that actually caused a bit of friction between the, because Steven was like, no, no, I'm the guitarist for mm. Deftones. And he's like, well, you're not here and I'm here and I've got to learn. So I'm learning teaching myself and getting more involved. But it was interesting to think about parts of this album were written while they were still in separate cities. And today we just think of that as like, yeah, bands could do that. That's easily. You just use the internet and it's, it's fine. But in 1999, that must've been like a completely different experience, like mm-hmm. trying to record things or conceptualize things and come yeah. up with songs when you're in like completely different cities. It must've been, yeah. Difficult. I mean, you would actually have to send physical yeah. music samples, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And download speeds would be horrific. Awesome. Yeah, that's fair. And also, they um, this is where they put together a super dream team mm. um, when it came to um, 
the people supporting them as well. So their producer, Terry Date, is also known for like Soundgarden, Pantera, White Zombie, Slipknot and Limp Biscuit. Just mm-hmm. putting that out there. Limp Biscuit is one of my first band t-shirts. Um, and uh, mastering with Howie Weinberg, who's had 15 Grammys of his own and over 200 gold and platinum records. Um, so he's done everything from like Aerosmith and Metallica through to like garbage and Iron Maiden but then Mariah Carey Madonna and Prince (laughs) so um well-rounded yeah Yeah, like has over 200 200, yeah golden platinum records to his name so um they got this dream team together to make this album because around the third blew up like adrenaline was kind of underground Mm. around the third blew up and so they're like right we need to do something with White Pony and as you say their sound did change a bit here It sounds like they grew up and really just started exploring more. Hmm, this is true. So it was interesting that Terry Day, because he'd produced their first two albums as well, and mm-hmm. they were actually looking around for a different producer, and that was at his request as well. He was like, if if it's the same people working on the same stuff all the time, it gets stale. Let's you know, let's bring in some new people and do some stuff. But they met with a few people, and they didn't get the right vibe. They weren't they weren't gelling, and they didn't have the ideas that they weren't the way they wanted to. So and then they were just like, look, Terry, you know us you know what we're trying to do or if when once we know what we're trying to do you'll help us know what we're trying to do so let's just keep working together which i thought was really cool hmm. there you go they picked the right people mm-hmm. and it comes off because they got exactly the sound that they wanted because it's their favorite album too mm. so how long so the first version of the album didn't have the first what it became the first song so back to school mini mm-hmm. maggot yeah that wasn't on my wasn't copy. on the first version but kelly you nominated the version with it on so it must have mm-hmm. been on the version that you had at the time or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it mustn't have been how long do we know it was did they, i couldn't find it easily how long it was when they re-released it it was about six to eight months later okay. so right. um it was they actually released um they only released Change in the House mm-hmm. of Flies as a single. Um, and then the they weren't going to release any other singles. Um, and they said that they wanted to do a prove themselves to the record label at the time and just said, fine, we can release you and uh, we can release you a fucking hit single if we want. <laughs> so they took um, their, their final track. And then they added like the rap metal, this, that, and the other mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. and then okay. released it as a single. Um, and it w- went well, people yeah. loved it, and it's been used in like various, um, but, uh, like I think movies and skate videos and skate games and all that kind of mm. stuff. Um, so yeah, they re released it. So then they re released the album after that with Back to School, Mini Maggot as the tra- first track, but. Chino goes back and he regrets it. He wishes that he'd never done that um, just because he like he felt like he was selling out. Selling out, out. Mm. okay. Yeah. yeah, and so he wished they'd never done a re-release with yeah. it. Um, Mixed emotions. Yeah, right? Selling out. And then there was a third re-release, which had another song uh, on the end. I can't mm. remember the name, but another song at the end. So they were, they're just like top and tailing this yeah. album like, <laughs> all the time. But, you know, it was perfect as it was. So when I first heard it, it was track two, Fetichiera, mm-hmm. which means the sorceress in Portuguese, I believe. Um, and yeah, so that was the first... That was track one for me when I first heard it, when I was sat outside HMV on the floor with Hannah. There you go. Cool. Because Back to School is a really good song. It doesn't not fit. It doesn't feel like they've jammed something in there that doesn't really fit. So... Yeah, no, like, you wouldn't have known. No, I wouldn't have thought so. You know, and I think like because there's lots of bands that tie like the first song and the last yes. one together and use the same bridge or same titles mm-hmm. or whatever to loop the beginning and the end. So it's, yeah, not knowing that you just think, oh yeah, it's just a way of connecting the first song and the last song. Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like now. Mm. But when I hear it, I'm just like, wait, hold on. Yeah. How old <laughs> <What>? am I? <laughs> How old am I when I'm listening to the like the re-release? But um, but I bought the single of like Back to School. Nice when that came mm-hmm. out. I have money. You're cool. safe. You're yeah. flush. You were flush at the top. Yeah, but I was no, I wasn't. What, what year is it? Two thousand. Mm. I was fifteen, so no, no I wasn't flush at all. But um, I, I was working in nightclubs and earning money that way. So um, and listening to all this music. Mm. So I've got like when I was listening to this, I was really worried 
note because I, I've got so much nostalgia linked to this album that actually doing a deep dive for Flawless, I was genuinely feeling complicated about going into it and going, what if I don't love it? Maybe if I just loved being 15, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, a, so I, I've done my deep dive. I've written my notes. We're, I'm ready to go. Cool. So when they, when they played for you the first time, when they played for you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did they play a lot of, a lot of the, of the songs of this album or don't you remember? Cause it's an intriguing choice to have gone, I suppose, you know, you've got 2006 or eight ish mm. and you've backed at it and mm. you still pick it. Um, I don't, I guess it's hard to compare, really, sure. for me. I don't know why this particular album really just, I don't know, maybe it's kind of the themes or yeah. what it sort of hints at that maybe is what attracted me more than, because, yeah, when they had just, when I had seen them play, they had just released Saturday Night Rest. Yes. So they were playing more from that more recent Yeah, album, sure. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think okay. I was just... Excited to be at a big music festival yeah. for yeah. the first time, and it was just lots of energy. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. The, the certain tracks that they always play, like My Own Summer of Shove It, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of them. But um, yeah, they they pull out um, various hits. So they do they play min- back to school mini maggot when mm-hmm. they play live. So oh. Kelly, tell us about some of your favorite songs on the album. What what's this, what's some of the things that you always go through when you're listening to it? Um. So I feel like I have a very weird way of listening to music. I generally listen to things in the background. So, um, for example, if I'm listening to it on uh, Spotify or something, I will choose to play it randomly and just have things playing in the background. Mm -hmm. So um, it's never really particularly a one song that I'll go, oh, I really want to listen to that song. Mm -hmm. It's more of a mood for the album more than anything. So I guess I would go, oh, I really feel like I want this weird, like atmospheric kind of like cool uh, sound that I'm really just, you know, mm. need to want to listen to. Um, so, yeah, I guess I pick it more and based on what the whole album kind of speaks yep. more mm-hmm. than a particular track. Sure. In, ter- in terms of your mood, do you think it's something that you listen to more when you're like, if you're sometimes you're like, we're up and we'll listen to albums that are down or we'll be down and we want to listen to albums that bring us up. Is there a certain mood you think that helps you listen and connect with this album? Um, I think I listen to it more when I really feel like I want something that makes me feel good because mm-hmm. of that nostalgia reason, because of sure. what it, the band, what, yeah, like just so many of those other little factors of, yeah, it's something that makes me feel good basically. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, good period of your life and nostalgia. Yeah. And Grant, you yes. never listened to this album all the way through. No. Um, so what was your... And help him. What was your help overall, him. Well, <laughs> yeah, so overall, what was your first impression of what you were listening to? Oh, I think um, it reminded me of that, certainly of the early 2000s, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of the bands that Big I was time. listening to at the time. Um, and... Like, I don't know, I'm intrigued because I find it quite angry. And like I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I've met, I feel I've mellowed a lot. <laughs> um, but it brings you back to like the power of music. And yeah, listen, you know, these are great chords. And this guy's belting out, you know, screeching into into um, into the mic and, and all the rest of it. So end to end, um, just a, like an immediate reminder of what was going on as a as a 20 year old sorry for the age thing guys okay i was 20 you guys are teenagers and i was uh, so it felt a lot older and was at university um and in that space of you know probably drinking too hard and failing too many subjects at university um but still listening to all of this sort of music so um i really enjoy i've got a lot of double ticks here so awesome. that, for the for those that um <laughs> that listen regular, regularly um Really, I probably struggled in the first time I, I heard it, but I had to get back into you know how I was mm-hmm. really because it's a an album that incredibly is twenty years old now, and I'm like, jeez, man, stop I'm it, like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, uh, really, carbon dating me, yeah. So that was me. I do think it sounds twenty years old too. Like it's not like we've done ones that we think would be timeless and they'd fit anywhere. But I think if they released this album right now, it probably wouldn't get as much attention because oh, music doesn't sure. sound like this right now. No. It's very much an early 2000s Their newest record. album's got a lot more like electro sounds mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, ab- and yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's exactly the style that's right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, so um, first time listening to it, Liam, all the way yeah, through? Yeah, I was the same. So um, I sort of did a bit of research before and they said, they, that said that they were a new metal band, which for me always equals rap and rock. 
and then on um, back to school, he does a little bit of that rapping stuff. Like his vocals are quite fast paced, not full on rapping, but his vocals are quite fast paced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's but the beautiful thing is, and because that stuff always just reminds me of Limp Bizkit, which you know mm-hmm. not a big fan of, but. He, there are a couple of times where he goes straight from a line where he's rapping and almost not singing into his full guttural scream, like on a dime. Like he doesn't build up, like he doesn't, there's no space in between. He just goes straight from the rap straight into the, the that guttural high pitched scream that he does, which just blew my mind because he's like his vote, he's supposed to be going so fast and thinking about the words. And then to just switch on that really quickly and just bring in that, that guttural, the metal sound, it was really cool. But not only that, he also brings in the vocal range of a mm. man who's. Sing, sounds like he's sung in a choir. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. so I think that's cool. one of the things that I love about Def Trans. Yeah, his range. vocals is yeah. the thing that really stands out to me. Yeah. It just draws me in. Mm. Every time I hear that voice, I'm just like, oh. Yeah, and in Change, there's an opportunity where he could have um, layered his vocals. Um, so Change in the House of Life, track, so on track 11, um, there's a bit where um, he ends um, Never Had Wings and then goes into the R's. So, mm-hmm. um, and he quickens, never had wings, and then goes into the R's as opposed to doing a layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he wanted to sound like he wasn't doing dual vocals yeah. um, because that's not what he does. Mm. So, he could easily have, you know, carried on with um, never have wings and then go, ah, or whatever. But then uh, over the top, doesn't do it. Mm. And I really enjoy the fact that he just doesn't, he's like, nah, this is what I do. Mm. But um, that that comes after one of my favourite songs ever, which I have written quite a few notes on, which is Passenger, mm-hmm. where we have Maynard James Keenan of Tool and A Perfect Circle and Pussifer and other such things. He comes in and just nails one of the sexiest. Like so, it we were talking about themes. So Kelly, Gino sings about sex a lot, right? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) and he sings about driving a lot, and he combines it beautifully with Passenger. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, this is like a really, but it's always consensual sex. It's always like. Someone wants it, he wants it. It's like a conversation. So Passenger's definitely all about um, getting laid in a car um, and driving somewhere really quickly. But you've got Maynard James Keenan has come in and he is just absolutely beautiful. And it's two men singing the parts of this conversation of having, can we drive quickly to go and get laid in the car? Mm-hmm. Um, which you just kind of don't expect and um, so of like Tool in a perfect circle are massive I was massive fans of so when I first heard this I was like oh my god <laughs> like I think me and my friend Hannah both kind of went gawped at yeah. each other just went that's me not <laughs> um, when he came on because it's just one of the sexiest songs um, with that eerie opening, with the guitar loops mm-hmm. and stuff, just for like the hot, for about thirty five seconds before anything starts, it's almost like they're getting ready to get into the car um, in this journey, um, and then then they hit this smooth rhythm, and there's this <laughs> noises, which is fucking very, hot. It's very tall. Yeah, it's very like mm. breathing into the mic mm. and using yeah. the vocal sounds as as an effect. Oh, absolutely! And um, the way they describe like the chrome button buttons, buckles, and leather surfaces, these and other lucky witnesses, and stuff. Just the way he like combines those lyrics and stuff. Just really, you're there. You're in a car. It's probably a really expensive like top down. It's but beautiful. It's, mm. yeah, yeah, it's mm, totally yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's really beautiful, but um, uh, Maynard wasn't even supposed to be on it. He right. was just at the studio hanging out with them. And so if you've ever listened to Tool in a Perfect Circle, you'll know they're very mathematical and they they draw equations on the wall to just like to design their sound. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're really mathematical. Um, and Maynard was just coming in to dick about a bit 
and going, why are you playing this in 4-4? Four, four? You should be doing this in like three sevens and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, and he was like, let me let me just do something. And then he grabbed the mic and started to sing and they couldn't get it out of their heads. They were just saying that they couldn't get the sound of Maynard out of their heads, but they also didn't want to be that band that comes in with their third big album with a guest vocalist, mm. like someone big like Maynard. So... But they, they couldn't get him out, so mm -hmm. they actually called him up and was just like, do you remember that song? Do you want to actually do it? Yeah. Um, and they brought him in because they they were huge fans of Tool. So, mm. um, the, And then they ended up making one of the sexiest songs ever. So I think um, Abe Cunningham does excellent work on the drums on this song because mm -hmm. it's not like... I think some of the other songs are a bit more straightforward drumming-wise, like they are 4-4 four, four, yeah. or the, the patterns through the songs are a bit more predictable, whereas this one is... It's almost Tool-esque in the music as well. Like it's off kilter and it's not necessarily 4-4 mm -hmm. four, four and there are extra beats in there. Like he's hitting the off beat instead of the beat, which once again is a very Tool thing to do. So I think to just tweak that style for one song but still have it sound like it's your style works really well. I've got that in my head right mm. now. Dum, ch -ch, dum, yeah. Yeah. Dum, ch -ch. It's awesome. Yes, it is awesome. But, and it surprises you um, when it comes out. But yeah, I'm assuming that it's just like sexy sexy song ta-da so, well, what are your standouts um so elite is probably my favorite song on the album just it's that it's that growling and screaming lyrics like he's really showing his range all the way through as well like he goes high and low very very quickly mm -hmm. um it won the grammy award for the best metal performance in 2001 which is just the way grammy named their awards are ridiculous like what is, <laughs> what is the best metal performance i don't know but yeah. that's what it is that's um, so it. it's like it's got the little vocoder vocals for verses but for me like the song is not necessarily about the lyrics it's really that the music and it's just so barreling and fast paced and really well done like it's I was sitting at a desk and I was still tapping my foot along and I just wanted to you know get up and thrash around so it was so cool and that was literally a dig at the elite that mm. whole song is yeah. like when you're here's a reward, here's a, reward a Grammy <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, dig to the elite who then yeah. give him a Grammy award. Yes. Because when I first heard it with the lyrics, when you're ripe, you bleed out of control, to me, that was like a woman menstruating. And then I was like, actually, when I listened to the song, it was just like, oh no, it's all about, it's about the elite and digging at the elite going, when you're at your top, you just bleed. That's what you do. You fail at everything. Mm. So yeah, but that's like that's real that that's reminiscent because it's so heavy. It is reminiscent of like adrenaline era kind mm -hmm. of deftones. Kelly, any other favorites you want us to? You, you sort of haven't said there's one in um, particular, but anything else you want to talk about? I just it's just an album that just brings back a lot of memories for me, and I think as we were saying before, when I first listened to it, because I was finally at the age, so when it came out, I was too young to probably understand any of the themes. Sure. But you know, when I was finally of age, so to speak, but, but when I discovered the album, I did then relate to it. So even though it did come out many years prior to me mm. actually discovering it, um, it was probably, as you say, it was that time in my life where then I could actually sort of understand the lyrics and understand what they were trying to get at. Mm -hmm. So like from nightclubs and stuff, um, they released two singles but they're not necessarily the songs that people played in the life in nightclub so knife party yeah, is yeah. a sure. song that was played in nightclubs even though it's an album track um uh, should have been released as a single in my opinion um mm. but it um it segues beautifully so teenager um is the okay so you know how i was talking about older pretty boys <laughs> um Teenager, as a song, was dedicated to me by ooh, least five uh, <laughs> um, people for, who, uh, for which there was unrequited love yeah. from my perspective. So that's not a good thing. No, but, so no they, <laughs> they were like dedicating it to me and putting it on mixtapes because they were like, oh, I thought we had a connection. And I'm just like, well, soz. We, soz. soz. <laughs> Before but soz was a word. We don't. So, yeah, so he's heartbroken and it's he's trying to forget her. And it's just this unrequited song with harmonies in this one um, and there's the DJ mixing on mm, him. There's really trip-hop nice. stuff in it and all very synthy. Yeah. I wrote very Siamese dreamish Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Nice. Cool. For mine. It's my notes mm -hmm. on, on that. And nice. it has... she had a squiggly and then it got a tick. 
Oh, okay. So you were unsold. Oh, okay. but then I was, you, you and then I was sold. Went in. <laughs> well, it's got the lyrics. a really nice way of saying this is unrequited you know mm. like a new cavity is in my heart mm. you've taken me um but then as i said that moves into knife party um where this it segues in beautifully because it's that echoey fuzzy guitar strumming intro into this wall of sound mm-hmm. i would say yeah it's yeah it's really cool and then Towards the end, so I was sort of thinking, oh, this is a decent song, but it's you know it's pretty standard Deftone stuff. This is the kind of stuff we've come to expect from them. And then Rodlene Getzik's vocals start coming in. The woman mm-hmm. who, uh, the a woman who they brought in to do some special backing vocals, yeah, and just takes the whole song to another level. Like it just adds a whole new thing to their whole sound, which is really awesome. Her and she's not even like a music, not proper. She's not even a musician. She's not someone who is on a lot of albums or does a lot of stuff. Like she's a creative person. She does movies and creative art projects and stuff, but she's not a big musician, but she just, she was the same as well. They were just hanging out at a party or something and they heard about her. She was in the kitchen at Larrabee Studios. Mm. um, And she was there listening to her friend who was playing bass. Um, But she had made a cassette of her own, of her own music. And Chino heard it and just went, do you want to come in? Yeah. She's like, and she said, only if my heart's in it. You mm-hmm. have to play me like. Can you imagine? Like Deftones are saying, "Hey, to, hey, randomer in a mm-hmm. kitchen, do you want to sing on this song?" Um, and she's like, "Only if my heart feels it." Um, and then, she, so she listened to it. She started listening to it, and then she just said, "Give me the mic." And mm-hmm. then she said, she just did it. She just one take." It. She one take. She just winged it and just put all of that wailing and howling and screaming mm. all over the top of it. Chino just had to add like little bits of mm and ahs and whatever. But Done. as you say, Liam, that just took it to a whole new level. Yeah, I actually had no idea about that backstory. That's kind of really kind of empowering that to know that that's if your heart's in it to really just go for it. Because like, mm-hmm. there's so much emotion in it. Like, yeah. That, yeah. When I didn't even know. You can't recreate that live. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I, what would they do with that mm-hmm. song live? Except maybe get the electric guy to play it on, as a backing yeah. track or something. I remember making a CDR, so I can so okay, dating me again. Of <laughs> every Deftone song that had a female vocalist in it, um, and I put them all together so I could learn the female vocals just in case they were ever on tour, and I could just send them a cassette, well, send nice. them a CD of me singing. Yeah. Lots of time, just yeah. so I, just so I could say, look, I can sing all the female parts on the things, you know, like um, in around the fair and stuff. I'm just like, I could do and it. And you got the songs of Napster, even better, huh? <laughs> no, I, no, I well, I owned White Pony or co-owned it when. Um, but um, around the fair was gifted to me by an one of an older secretary boy, um, and then I had somebody CD adrenaline. But then I bought the rest. And it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so um, uh, but in knife party there are lyrics which I just love, which are, I can float here forever in this room. We can't touch the floor. In here we're all anemic, anemic and sweet. And that's like something I want to just experience and feel and just work. Mind you, he was taking a lot of drugs. Yeah. So he was like white pony. Oh, do you know yeah. what white pony means? 
I looked it up and I do remember, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, it's just slang for cocaine. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> it's but just... they, they'd already decided on the name of the album before they started doing anything. That's what I read. Is that they 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 were like, oh, it's a third album. They saw that phrase written down somewhere. And they're like, oh, White Pony would be a great name for an album. And it, <sighs> they hadn't even come up with the ideas for what the album was going to be about yet. But they were like, no, it's called White Pony. That'll be great. Done. Fair enough. Well, it's um, a good thing all the songs were about drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Korea is um, mm-hmm. like it's literally about his excess of like women and coke, and his obsession is both day and night with lyrics of daytime dancer i'll come inside as if to say like i'm driving down the strip and like if i see that you're open i'll still go in and watch them mm-hmm. and he's just obsessed with women and drugs um and made no apologies for it. but it, again it was all paid for and all consensual and he was just living his dream um and would literally wrote songs about it and like reference pony in it in the mm. lyrics. So in that one, it has my pet peeve, which is the American pronunciation of niche, where he calls it the niche. Oh, the niche. Oh, I hate that so much. Yeah. So much. But he does it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get past it. Try being English in Australia, and you guys don't say vitamin. So, uh, um, the other thing it's got is like this the riffs at the start are just this chunky, bulky, like a smash to the, like they've used power riffs all the way through, mm-hmm. but on this one in particular, they've used like a bit of that production magic to really make it like a visceral grabs you right at the start. And he ranges between singing, shouting, spitting like mm-hmm. in, that, that in mm-hmm. one song, yeah. like the whole thing, the whole shebang. So yeah, with, and that in, with that intro, it's kind of got that wah, wah mm-hmm. kind of sound over the guitars. Yeah. Like, it's a wah, wah pedal. Well, potentially, probably or, or the a studio one. trick. <laughs> or, or but yeah, they, we go the one. But, uh, but it was either that, or I, I like to think that sometimes they record stuff and um, let's see, um, Frank Delgado. I like to think that he mixes it, like mm-hmm. that he like. Oh um, yeah, yep. He takes his peak because there's not for me like because when I heard oh yeah it's a new they moved it's a new metal record and they moved more electronic elements. I was expecting more of the hip hop style Limp Bizkit mm. stuff, but there wasn't really a lot of that. Like there's a bit of electronic no. all the way through it, but not necessarily the kind of things that made me think there was a DJ in the studio doing stuff more that he took parts of it and mixed it as part of like a later thing. And he played keyboards as well because yeah. there's piano in yes. passenger. Passenger. Yeah. So that's awesome. Cool. Um, but um, in, I had to mention in, Fetishiera, oh, mispronouncing that horrifically, track two, which is my track one. Um, the first time I heard it, the first lyrics of the first album are, fuck, I'm drunk, um, which is like totally awesome. And I was like, that is such a great way to say, fuck, I'm drunk, but I'm on my knees. The police stopped chasing. I'm her new cool meat. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep, okay. They, so this is him being stolen by a woman. And uh, this is how he's opening the album. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah. Right. <sighs> Any other songs you want to touch on? We are. You had double ticks. Running out of I time. did have a couple of double ticks. We are just about out of time. I thought Digital digital Bath was great. Yep. Really Absolutely cool. Great one. Just that super soft number. Lots of really cool drumming all the way through. Yeah. It. it was interesting when when I found out that it was supposed to be Fit Sarah first and then Digital Bath second. I thought that's a really. It's a, it's a perfect third song. You go power rock, power rock, you take the foot off a bit for the third song. Mm-hmm. I thought for the second song, if it was a second song, it would be a little bit unusual. Like I'd be sort of, oh, yeah. it would be a little bit like a, a whiplash of like, here's Too our soon. power song. If you, especially if you're expecting more power rock mm-hmm. and then second song, you're already like, oh, we're, we're messing with our formula here. But still a really cool song. Mm, yes. And RX Queen, I thought mm-hmm. was great. RX Queen. So um, Scott Whelan, uncredited. So I, I yeah. guess everyone just wow. assumes that it happened because it, his voice, you can't Stone really Temple tell. Pilots, Velvet yeah. Revolver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that one, and so that one, he talked about when, um, so Kino talked through about the album that he said this was one where he injected lots of elements of fantasy into it, so it wasn't any more, so I guess his first couple of albums were about him, whereas yeah. this is more about his creating characters and it, that gives him a bit of freedom to sort of inhabit them and sing about things he wouldn't sing about. But then I found another reference about this where he said he didn't want to talk about this song because it's about his wife. Oh, wow. So I wasn't sure whether, oh, okay. but that that wasn't, yeah, that was a, on a random website, so that may or may not be true. Well, it's about a woman who's like addicted to drugs, but mm-hmm. he stays with her until she ODs. Yeah. And then it's like a really soft, but you can hear Scott Williams in the in the chorus, um, but it's got this um, 
So where you think about the ID, uh, OD is where he, the lyrics are. is somebody in his life or his partner or someone that's OD'd because of drugs and he's also singing about his life of excess and they're probably all on drugs then it would make sense to say I've watched you go blue um so yeah it's just like a from that perspective I just thought it was like a um a new kind of yeah like a new take on it of, mm -hmm. of somebody but also there's that more haunting kind of samples in the outro with these tinny sounding drums mm -hmm. like usually it's like really full drum sounds and stuff but it's like really tinny like t -t -t mm. kind of noises and then it just fades out like as if to say like she's gone or something's happened or whatever it's just yeah it's really beautiful yeah oh man cool um, George, any very quick last thoughts before we go to final pitch? Mm. Um, no, I think that um, you mentioned Digital Bath and there was just um, the really cute lyrics of um, you move like I want to, to see like your eyes do. We are downstairs where no one can see. Um, new life break away mm -hmm. and it's like maybe it, it, that's him doing, doing like a storytelling about telling taking someone down into a bath and washing her and drying her off and all that kind of stuff or and then the, the fantasizing about like ending it like electrocuting them both and mm -hmm. um, which is like part of the story behind the song um but it's just it sounds really beautiful until you know that Cool. Um, so yeah, so that's stuff I had to mention. Awesome. So yeah. Cool. Oh. Kelly, any other thoughts, or would you like to jump straight into your final pitch? I think I'm ready to jump into the final pitch. Go for it. Um, so really, uh, it's an album that brings back a lot of memories for me. So I think start to end, no matter what order I listen to it, it just transports me back to another time another place I was younger and crazier <laughs> and all sorts of things and it just is yeah really brings back a lot of things cool cool that's so sweet awesome mm. george final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down on deftones white pony well as i said before i was um erring between this and a different and around the fur mm -hmm. as being my favorite album because around the fur has one of my favorite songs of all time which is be quiet and drive far away um and that song just hits me in the feels um but um again i wasn't sure if i would, if i was gonna love white painting with back to school mini maggot as the opening track knowing that that wasn't on my 15 year old self's version um but of course i'm going to say flaws <laughs> what a ridiculous thing if we all knew it was going to happen it's bloody ridiculous um i've got four pages of notes i've got lyrics for every single um track on here that i would love to drop into this podcast um but we do not have the time it would be it would basically be the record plus <laughs> us talking. Yep. So um, it's definitely a flawless for me. Getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Copyright wise. We were getting to trouble. Yeah, but we'd be, I'd be saying nice things. <laughs> so um, that's good. Mm. But I just think um, in hindsight as well, listening to it with back to school mini maggot and then ending on pink maggot mm -hmm. does actually work yeah. as a bookends mm. so um yeah i think because then when you listen to the album on repeat which is what i do it mm. fits really well sure. to yeah. go back yeah, from pink pink and back again so mm -hmm. um yeah it's just fucking awesome this whole album <laughs> uh, i'm just throwing my notes away like what the hell it's cool. bloody flawless so go awesome uh grant final thoughts and a thumbs up or thumbs down sure so never heard it before 20 year old album certainly took me back to that time 
not when I was your age, but um, <laughs> of that era in, in you know, university days. Um, I really enjoyed the book ending of it. I thought that was great. Um, although I struggled a little bit in a little bit of um, with two two minutes thirty five in at, in of Pink Maggot on the end. I thought I didn't actually couldn't tell whether it was a screeching guitar or his voice. Um, I think I, I think it was really sold. Yeah, I think it was both. I think it was his voice and and a guitar part Even as more well. Complex. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> I thought there were samples um, as well. Well, <laughs> well there. Yeah, so um, I wasn't particularly sold on that, but. Where I thought that, um, and it's funny, this is personal preferences, I'm going to say no because of Elite right? and because of Korea, <laughs> which you guys both really enjoyed, and that's the screeching side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that if you took those two out, it would probably flow better, and I just didn't, that's, that was a really personal preference. So I'm going to say thumbs down on that basis, but um, there's a lot of really cool music in there and great lyrics and, you know sex consensual and drug addiction i mean why why wouldn't you enjoy an album like this you so, love albums like so that. exactly <laughs> so thank you for bringing it um but it's a thumbs down for me cool Liam. um so yeah i probably wasn't inclined to like this album when it first got started because i heard it was all new metal and i was like oh god here we go and then the first song did kind of sound like that and i was like oh no it's gonna be macho boys well even the song's not really it's more about being bullied and that sort of stuff at school but um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was, yeah, loved all the, the the power rock stuff and then his ability to the vocals to go up and down and all over the place in the song. There were two problems that I had. One of them was a bit of whiplash because they started going fast, slow, fast, slow really often. And I was kind of like, like I'd, you'd have your momentum from your power rock song and then you'd lose it all from a slower one. So I thought if they'd grouped some of the songs or just ordered a little bit differently, it would have worked a little better for me. The other thing was... I had a bit of trouble connecting to it like lyrically and thematically as well, which I think comes down to, I think it is aimed at a younger audience. You guys both listened to it when you were younger and I think it feels like it's aimed at that, at that younger audience. And I think if I'd listened to it when I was sort of 17, 18, 19, I'd have been like, fuck yeah, this is the best. And then I'd have held on to that all the way through. But I think listening to it for the first time here and it reminded me of um, Filter's title of album, which okay. is really cool, like very similar style, very sort of power rock, um, high harmonic vocals but I listened to that when I was 19 I was like yeah this is the best album ever and I've held on to it but even now when I listen to it I'm like this isn't as good as I think it was but I know that back then I really loved it so I think if I'd listened to this back then I would have really loved it but coming to it where I am now I didn't connect with it as much so I couldn't give it flawless there but I did really like it a lot more than I thought I would so that was really yeah, for cool sure. I was wondering I was really interested to hear your views Liam and mm. like I went because I knew that I was this is one that I would have brought forward myself. So I was just like, oh, I wonder what you think. And mm. also the fact that we've got some double ticks and some likes and stuff from you two. I'm, I'm mm. thrilled with. And so Kelly, you did a good job. Yeah, service. great. Thank great you, Kelly. Then none of the songs were bad. None of them I'm like, oh, I hate this song so much that I would cut it. It just, yeah, I didn't feel that connection that I feel like almost the album is designed to. It's one of the ones where you, it's looking for that connection. It's not mm. the sort of thing you can just oh yeah, it's really great because it's I'm not really paying attention to it or whatever. I really think it's looking for that connection to the listener and because I didn't feel that, which is fine because not everything has to be for me. But, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So thank you, Kelly, for nominating the album. We really appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we are Flawless AMP on all of those. So you can join the conversation, share or like our posts, and give us a rating. Every little bit helps us to find more music lovers just like you. As mentioned, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. If you'd like to back us, please check that out. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. This is a good example.